What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Seals Pod here on all of our socials. My name is Teddy Jenner, joined this week by two very familiar faces, Cam Holding and Westberg. Lads, how are you? Doing well, Teddy. Doing good, Teddy. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you guys, too. You guys have been up to a lot of stuff uh, down in San Diego, but le- let's get some of the background out of the way first. Cam, you were um, a longtime Colorado Mammoth. You originally drafted by Edmonton, get flipped over to the Mammoth, spend your entire career there. Uh, you only missed one game other than that season where you had to take the whole year off. But what was the time like for you in Colorado playing so consistently for an organization that had built such a strong foundation? Yeah, I mean, obviously Steve and Josh were there um, and playing in Colorado was an incredible experience. You know, they have the Loud House, which you're obviously very familiar with, um, as most opposing teams are. Uh, so it's a great place to play. Absolutely love being in Denver. I lived there for a few years, uh, met some great people, um, have some longtime friends that I've met from being part of that organization, both in the office and just general fans that became friends. Um, so, I mean, like I said, loved every minute of being in Denver, Colorado, but obviously, um, you know, moved on and happy to be here in San Diego. Wes, you're drafted fourth overall by the Calgary Roughnecks, spent your entire career there after a fantastic four-year career at Denver University. What was it like being in Calgary, another city that has an incredible fan base and a very rich history of lacrosse? Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Uh, I got a lot of family out there, so it's always always great playing in front of friends and family. And, um, you know, what a great fan base. They, it's, you know, on, on par with the, the, the uh, Colorado Loud House, whatever you, you call it there, right? The Saddle Dome is uh, always rocking. So it's, it was a ton of fun and um, enjoyed being there. And it's, it's nice to be playing in San Diego and then trying to grow a fan base down here to get to that level. We're definitely going to talk about that. But you both had interesting seasons in 2019. Cam, you missed it with an, a, a knee injury. Wes, you sat out the season uh, with contract issues with Calgary. Was there a, a destination you kind of thought you'd, you'd see yourself go after that sitting out here, Wes? Yeah, I figured it'd be somewhere on the, on the West Coast. You know, I'd uh, like being, being here and closer to home. And, mm. I mean, you can't complain living in San Diego and, and the beautiful weather. So, um, you know, I knew it was going to take some time, but it's, it's great to be here. And, uh, like I said, start uh, building something with the, with the new team. We mentioned, Cam, that you hadn't missed – very many games in your national lacrosse league career, but both yourself and Dan Coates had freak knee injuries, trying out for team Canada field across a very untimely incident. But how did that year off really help shape you to becoming a better lacrosse player down the road? To be honest, I mean, I've told this story a few times, but um, I, I thought I was going to retire. So I tore, once I tore my ACL at that point, I had my own um, youth travel company up in Michigan Um, I was coaching Michigan State University at the exact same time. So I thought I was going to kind of shift gears and move out of my playing career and start my coaching career, um, which is, you know, ultimately how I got to San Diego. I was left unprotected because I didn't think I was playing again. And then I got a call from Patrick Merrill kind of telling me the plan and everything they're doing down here. And they would like me to be a part of it to help build something special. So kind of refound that love for the game um, in a time where I spent a year, you know, pretty down and out of not having lacrosse in my life. So uh, it, w- it was fun to come back and obviously, like Bergie said, to help build something from the ground up and see a brand kind of take shape. So it's been a lot of fun. When you were making your conversations with Patrick Merrill West, did you kind of have the same feelings uh, of excitement about what they were building down here? 
Yeah, um, I mean, San Diego, it's it's kind of underrated for the amount of lacrosse players they, they put out in Division One now and, and all over the place. It's become a, a huge hotbed. So it, it's pretty cool to be able to not only work on kind of the youth development side, but also, you know, pro sports have kind of, besides the Padres, have been, uh, you know, a bit of a battle with, with mm-hmm. everything going on with the Chargers. So in San Diego, there's so many fun things to do and, and kind of pro sports taking a little bit of a, a backseat besides, again, the Padres. So it's uh, it's cool to, to try to build like this fan base and, and get all these kids that are, you know, playing field lacrosse into, into the box game and help them develop their skills, but also kind of create um, some kids into SEALs fans here. So it's been it's been interesting and it's been uh, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And the experience I had last year calling that one game against Rochester, the, the amount of young kids that were in the stands for that game was absolutely phenomenal. And that's going to continue to grow with a lot of the work that you two are doing in the community area. You mentioned there are a lot of kids now coming out of Southern California, even California in general, that are getting Division One scholarships. Now we're starting to see guys getting drafted out of California into the National Lacrosse League. The Junior Seals program uh, has been growing since day one. Wes, you've been a, a big part of that in the last little bit of year. What have you seen from these kids that's really started to show that they're having fun playing the box game and understanding the benefits of it? Yeah, I think um, in this area you see a lot of unbelievable athletes where they grow up playing a bit of football, baseball. You know, they have all the, the athletic skill and the eye-hand coordination and field lacrosse is kind of um, a way for an athlete that can run really fast and shoot the ball hard to kind of excel and box lacrosse. I think it's a different challenge for a lot of these kids that have a raw skill set, but unbelievable, you know, athletic ability. So it's been awesome to see some of these kids that are, you know, that you look at them and they're in Bantam and they're the size of me and Cam and they can run like the wind and you can put them on a box goalie and have them shoot and they go for 10. But, uh, you know, working with them here, they've kind of learned the the kind of finesse game and, and honing in those skills. So you see a lot of these kids that, um, you know, really had had those raw skills in, in the lacrosse world. And, and now you, you look at them and they're they're unbelievable after, you know, a few months of being able to shoot on a box goalie and do some drills and get all the reps that the, you know, the indoor game gives you where it's, it's less of a, I guess, less of X's and O's and coaching and, and more of just kind of repetitions. And I think it's a lot more fun. The kids enjoy practicing. It's, it's been tough for us because we can't be playing games or tournaments or anything like that. And the kids just want to go out and, you know, hit each other and play against different teams. So it's been really enjoyable. And I think, uh, I think we've got a lot out of it. And I think these kids are really developing. I think those kids are probably feeling the same frustration you guys are feeling, not being able to go out and hit people and play consistently. But Cam, we talk about the kids getting involved. How important is it also to get the the adults involved and then the parents of these kids involved? What's the buzz around the city um, from, you know, the over 35 crowd? Yeah, so we've actually had a ton of demand in starting some adult stuff too. So this summer we're working to obviously grow our program, grow the network of box lacrosse here in San Diego. Uh, and the adult league is definitely one of those things we're looking to do. Um, we just partnered, now we should be, uh, or sorry, we have a girls director now. So we're going to be doing youth girls box lacrosse as well as a um, adult girls uh, league this summer. Um, and then hopefully we can do a co-ed league and ultimately just keep building and growing the game of box across as Wesley uh, alluded to there. Kids are having fun, you know, and that's what, that's what I love about box. It's, you know, we take this great sport that we all love and we get to go have fun and just play and be free and be creative. And it's a little different than the, the field across. So I think kids are loving it. Parents are loving it. Parents are just addicted to watching practice and kind of 
how things are just different and making their kids better and watching their kids smile. So um, like you said, it's generating a buzz. I think people are loving it and they're going to continue wanting more. Wes, uh, how does the outdoor turf compared to Sonny Smith box? Yeah, well, you know what, Sonny Smith, even when it's raining in Vancouver and Coquillam there, it's still, uh, there's that pocket of sunshine that always is over top of it. Here, we don't really <laughs> worry about the rain much, but no, the, the field's great getting, getting to play on a bit of artificial turf and, and having that was, is pretty cool because you look most places to do any kind of elite training, it has to be indoor, you know, 90% of where lacrosse is, is played indoor. Mm-hmm. So for us, we're pretty lucky to, you know, in the middle of winter, be able to, to run a program like this. And for coaches, it's always nice to be out and never gets too hot, never gets too cold here. So it's, it's a lot of fun being able to coach outside and, uh, you know, coach, coach outdoor, but uh, the indoor game. So it's, it's yeah. pretty, pretty great. Cam, how's your tan? I mean, I think it looks all right. It's better than what it, it's better than what it was when I was living in Canada during the winter. Um, I mean, Bergy and I have been spending a little bit of time outside, so we got our yeah. time to work on it. Uh, you, working on your golf game, um, how is it? <laughs> uh, Bergy's is a lot more consistent than mine. I can tell you that much. But yeah, we've been uh, you know we've been playing a bit of golf. Probably I don't know, Bergy, you're probably what once a week or so. Yeah, yeah, not as much lately, but uh, it's one of those games you get, as you think you're getting better, you get worse because you try mm-hmm. to hit shots that are out of your, your skill set. And uh, no, it's, it's been great. I mean, we're, we're pretty spoiled here where uh, if you can ever get on now um, with COVID, it's, it's just crazy because golf yeah. is one of the only things that are open, but you yeah. can get on Torrey Pines for a lot cheaper with your resident card. So you get to oh, play a, a legendary course. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But, uh, and then we get so to go play. In a while, but we've got a par three that's near our house that, that has lights on it, which is awesome. So if you got a lot during, during the day, you can kind of hop on at 7 o'clock and play 9 or something like wow. that. So it's helping keep the game somewhat consistent. Yeah. You play we'll have the to Air get Force you out you're telling me, Cam? Yeah. Yeah, it's called Sea and Air. It's on uh, the Coronado military base of so North Island. And uh, – so I have a couple of friends that are Navy SEALs and in the military and you have to have a military member to bring you on base to play. So right. very fortunate that they, uh, you know, invite Wes and I and Mike out to play some rounds uh, on that course. It's incredible. And you're basically right beside a military runway. So there's, you know, F-18s, there's C-5, C-17s, there's helicopters. Like it's really cool. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty wild experience. How cool would it have been? To have that experience, but with a lacrosse game beside that runway, ah, obviously the Miramar event would have been would have been <laughs> phenomenal. Vegas was epic. Was something we all probably never thought would have happened. Uh, maybe it's going to happen a little more down the road. Um, but an opportunity as young kids who grew up playing in outdoor boxes to have that experience on an airbase, a, a working airbase, would have just been phenomenal. Yeah, that was, uh, there was a lot of work by our front office staff to go to make that happen. And we constantly, this is, this is where we always talk about the word pivot. That's where we kind of learned the word pivot uh, because it seemed like every week as this COVID thing started to grow and grow and grow, we had to keep making changes and making changes. And um, ultimately that event didn't happen because they brought in, that was a quarantine site for uh, incoming flights from China for I think American citizens. So um, but that would have been such an incredible experience. Hopefully it's something we can pull off in the future uh, because I know that would offer just one heck of an experience to our fans. Uh, Wes, I hear that you are uh, excelling at pickleball. Eli Gobrecht is complaining <laughs> on social media. How is your pickleball games? Why is it so good? 
I don't know. I grew up always enjoying racket sports. I never liked to do the traditional training for things like, you know, just running laps or riding the stationary bike. So I'd play tennis or pickleball is the new one. So I play with Eli quite a bit and Moose and uh, it kind of translates ping pong. Uh, we, me and Cam play a little bit bit uh, at the office. Cam's, Cam's got my number, I think, in ping pong, but we usually run through most of the other guys in the office. <laughs> um, so pickleball is kind of a mixture. It's in between. It still gets a lot of running, but it's uh, it's a little bit more simple than tennis. So it's good. It's a good way to keep your your reflexes and you get a you get a sneaky workout in where if you yeah, look absolutely. at, uh, you know, a, a whoop or something like that, you get almost as much of a workout as you would playing an entire game of lacrosse. So it's, it's a good way to stay in shape, but good way to also not uh, get bored working out. Uh, you guys definitely aren't bored because I've seen some of the things <laughs> that you were doing uh, in the San Diego area. Whose idea was it to throw moose out of a plane? Uh, so that was one of our friends. It was her birthday and she really wanted to go skydiving. And naturally I was like, can I bring all my friends? <laughs> so then, uh, you know, we extended it to the fellows and everybody wanted to do it. And wow. Uh, so, I mean, that was one heck of an experience. I think everybody really enjoyed it. Uh, nerve wracking though, like sitting up in the plane as you go up and then the door opens and you're like, holy cow, I'm about to launch myself out of a plane. So it, was, it was pretty crazy, but fun. Uh, Wes, did you enjoy yourself or were you having cold feet? Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, I mean, when you, when you don't have any of the stress of doing anything yourself, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, you're just kind of along for the ride. I think if I had to pack my own shoot and figure right. out everything that was going on, it's a lot more more, more nerve-wracking. But the guy that I went with, he said he's gone like I think 19,000 jumps or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 pretty cool experience. I think uh, you, don't, you don't really get an appreciation for how fast you're dropping until you kind of look up at the at the plane when you're going. And then all of a sudden it's, it's kind of over before you know it, but it's a ton of fun. Uh, are we going to do it again? If you want to do it, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. We'll toss you out of a plane. <laughs> I like the idea, the thought of putting my life in someone's hands is one thing. Throwing myself out of a plane with someone's responsibility is completely different. But you guys are also going underwater, and that oh, yeah. is a completely different feeling as well. Yeah. So we took up again to a couple of our friends, uh, the our friends that are in the military and the Navy. Um, they really encourage us to check out scuba diving. So I was like, all right, they keep everything they tell us to do is like a blast. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's try it. So we, uh, signed up, we got our, you know, group of people, we signed up for scuba diving lessons, got it all done, did our course. And then we did a fun trip out to Catalina, um, which is an incredible experience. If you can ever go, even if you just go snorkel, there's like a million fish. It's really cool. Um, uh, but Bergie and I actually started our deep dive course this weekend so that we can go from 60 feet down to 120 so we can hit some of like the shipwrecks and other cool things that you uh, otherwise can't go to was that something you ever thought you would be doing Wes is scuba diving off the coast of San Diego uh yeah my brother's uh, got his scuba diving license oh, too so I always actually wanted to, to get that done and, and go I, I remember when I was younger I did like the it's like the half scuba diving where they just tie you to a cord i think it's called snuba diving so we did that mm -hmm. one time and that was that was pretty cool but uh being able to kind of be neutrally buoyant and feel like you're kind of floating around and and that feeling is pretty awesome and you see some uh some cool fish and it's yeah it's it's awesome something i wanted to do for a long time i didn't think i would uh be jumping full bore into it and doing the advanced <laughs> dive and doing all this stuff but uh 
you know, it's a good way to, to occupy some time and it's definitely a lot of fun. One we thing keep, I've learned, oh, go ahead, Cam. Like I say, we keep going to this one spot in La Jolla. So Bergie and I have gone several times uh, by ourselves to try to find, there's this thing called seven gill shark. It's like this massive prehistoric thing with this long tail. We keep going to find it because apparently they're hard to find, but wow. one day, one day we're going to get it. It's like the elusive fish in the waters. Yeah. I don't know. Like one day we went and then the next day somebody put a post the exact same spot we were at like, Oh, I saw the seven gill. And so we keep going. We hope we're going to find it. So hopefully I can get some cool video of that once, yeah. once it happens. What's, what's the next adventure on the list? Oh boy. I think probably dropping out of a boat. We'll definitely go back to Catalina so we can hit some of the cool shipwrecks. Um, and then a, another buddy of mine said to go down to like Cozumel or Tulum for like cave dives. Oh yeah. So just, I mean, we're pretty close down here. It's only like a couple hour flight, three, four hour flight. So you just jump on a plane, go scuba dive and come home. Well, there's that thing called COVID cam. So I'm not oh, sure I'm saying once everything opens up, <laughs> once it opens yeah. up. Yeah. I did, uh, when I went to Cancun and did Cozumel and did some like cave free cave diving and, and it was just unbelievable to to see all the pathways that you can find and yeah. just that feeling of being above the water and then all of a sudden you're like completely under land in this tiny little cave yeah. and you're like oh man what am I gonna do Have you guys <laughs> ever seen um the Cowboy Cerrone interview with Joe Rogan where he talks about um, scuba diving that. Wes is nodding his head. It's like the most fearful he's ever been. And obviously this is a UFC fighter, but it is a crazy story about him, like trying to survive while stuck in a cave. It's, it's oh, wow. crazy. I highly recommend it. But if you're someone who's it, it might not be something you want to <laughs> listen to, Yeah. but uh, it, it just kind of reminded me of that. Um, you guys are both from strong lacrosse hotbeds in Canada. Cam, you're from Whitby, Ontario. Wes, yeah. you're from Coquitlam, British Columbia. We'll start with you, Cam. What made lacrosse and Whitby so special? Uh, so my dad played since he was three. And, you know, when I was little, I would always go to the rink and watch him play. And so we have the Iroquois, Iroquois Sports Center there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's six rinks. And literally every weekend in the summer, there's just lacrosse. And so it's kind of the only thing I knew. I, I love playing lacrosse. Obviously, I went to watch it. You had the Whitby Warriors. You had the Brooklyn Redmen when I was little. Um, and so just kind of that culture just surrounded by lacrosse players and in the winter hockey players, mm -hmm. um, but it was just fun. And I, and I just loved it. I became addicted to it. And, um, ultimately here I am today, still with it in my life every day. So my, uh, my freshman year at Mercyhurst, I had Zach Aiken, Gavin Prout, Derek Sutton, Steve Voitak, and oh, man. all Whitby guys from that 97 Minto team all my freshman year. And That's that was my first real taste of, of Whitby guys, but that was one heck of a crew. <laughs> Prouder's, Prouder's enough for himself. I love yeah. Prouder. When I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was uh, younger, I always went to watch Gavin Prout. You know, he was mm -hmm. like, he was my main guy. I loved watching him. And then to uh, obviously I had to play with him on the Mammoth, and that was like the coolest experience of my life. And he was the captain of a team that I was playing on. Awesome. So, uh, pretty pretty incredible experience there. What Wes, you're from Coquitlam. You may not have had as many talented guys to watch growing up like people did in Whippy, but what was it like growing up with that group of guys kind of over a, a career of minor lacrosse to finally be on that championship Minto team in 2010? 
Uh, I don't know about that, Teddy. I mean, if you look at the the senior ad next, when uh, when I was probably well, I guess eight that was Shooter and those guys. Yeah, right? you've got yeah. John Grant Jr., Shooter, Colin Doyle. I mean, you could go down the list. Not not all guys that grew up in Coquitlam, right. but yeah. um, you know that senior team was was really special. Um, back when they had the main rink with the the old wooden uh, yeah. slanted boards, when it was oh, kind of more of a barn. I, I actually liked that that arena a bit better. It had a bit more of a kind of you know, uh, older feeling to a rustic mm-hmm. feeling. So that we used to like sell that place out. It was, it was crazy when the, when the playoffs would come around. So that was, that was really awesome for a kid to get to, to watch kind of all those, those guys and the Merrills were there for, you know, a couple of years. And so um, it, it was awesome. I mean, our junior team, I think was kind of growing a, a bit. We weren't, weren't so strong at that age group, but we had lots of the junior players coach minor lacrosse, which was a ton of fun and being able to, you know, watch all those those superstars and learn from them when at a young age was was incredible. And now you look at kind of the the way it's come around with uh, guys like Robert Church, Ben McIntosh that are all you know born and raised in Coquitlam that mm-hmm. uh, are on that that kind of caliber of play now is is pretty cool. Yeah, that that 2010 Minto Cup team. I had a chance to call that series um, with the Orangeville Northmen. You guys had 15 guys on that roster who have had national lacrosse league careers. That is a phenomenal percentage of guys. And one of the biggest things that you talked about, all guys, a lot of guys were just Coquitlam guys. You guys brought Mark Matthews in, but I don't think he was the deciding factor for that group. How special was it to win it with guys you grew up with? Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, bringing in a guy like Mark, who I Doesn't had the pleasure of going to school with, he's just a ton of fun and, you know, a huge talent. He, he made a, a huge difference on, on that team. And uh, it was pretty cool because a lot of those guys uh, I either played with when I was really young and I was playing up with uh, Church and Ben and, and Marty that were a bit older than me. And then um, guys like Beers and, and a lot of guys that were friends with my brother, older brother that I'd just known for a long time. So to win it in Coquitlam, I think uh, – was, was pretty special because even when in my last year, the way that it went, uh, we didn't get to play in Coquitlam when we hosted it. It was in Langley and um, came up short that year. But uh, it was pretty special to play in the, the arena. You grew up uh, playing hockey and lacrosse and from a young age and watching the seniors and, and those guys, you know, win a man cup. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. I, I think uh, the community really rallied around it. And it was, uh, yeah, just a ton of fun to play in front of friends and family. And that that Orangeville team was something special too. It's probably a similar statistic for uh, how many guys they've had play in the NLL yeah. because they had, you know, the the Noble twins and uh, Suter, Adam Jones, all those guys. And they had the Harnett I think brothers. They, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Harnett brothers. And they were, they were stacked, you know, they won. Uh, I think it was just Greg that was on the team. Johnny graduated, but they'd won, you know, they were kind of a dynasty at the time. They'd won back to back before that, or, or maybe three out of, you know, five years, whatever it was, but they were, you know, an unbelievable team. So it was a, it was a fun final and it was uh, it was a pretty cool experience to, to do at a young age. Do you, do you regret not being able to win a Minto camp? Not regret, but those were some <laughs> tough teams you were playing against. Yeah. They waited till I left and then won the year after. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Um, yeah. When I came up through the Whippy junior program, uh, I think we, we had a couple of different coaching changes and Keenan took over my first year. So we saw a ton of like great change, Right. Um, kind of like a different level of professionalism amongst the players that were in that group too. And so, I mean, you knew that that program was going to turn it around with his leadership and, and they did, I think they won two Mintos. I don't know if it was back to back or if they skipped a year, but um, you know, obviously some great players in Whippy and he really helped shape that those two Minto teams. What's it been like playing for, for Patrick Merrill, a guy that, you know, you guys all would have played against 
um, in your careers as a member of the Toronto Rock or, or even watching him as a, as a member of the Coquitlam Maddox when he's playing senior. Like I've known him since we went to college together and he's just always been a very tactical guy. What's he like as a coach? Yeah, when I – so I'll back up to when I was playing on the Brooklyn Redmond too. I was – our captain was Sean Williams and he always used to come in the room and he would tell everybody, just care. Like if we were down or – to, to bring guys up, like he really wanted to, guys to care, to be there. And so as I've kind of moved through my career and look at how Patrick is, like you can tell when Patrick speaks, he cares about our organization, about you as an individual, about the success of our team. Um, and that's something that as a player, you, I mean, you respect, you have to. So when he speaks, you listen. If he asks, you do. Um, and so I think there's a huge mutual level of respect between him and the players. I think he has a fantastic balance of being like a player coach and that, Hey guys, like, are you, how are you guys feeling? You know, and he has that, there's that shared level of trust between him and his players and that open line of communication. So I love playing for him. I think it's amazing. Um, there's a little give and take on both sides, but I mean, I'm having like the greatest experience ever playing for him. Wes, you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, getting to, to watch him and, and, and play against uh, that kind of style of play, like he's he's sort of a practice what you preach kind of guy. I know it's a lot uh, lot tougher maybe listening to a coach or, or somebody that maybe hasn't played that, that style of game that asks, asks for a lot of, you know, sacrifice in the, in the way that uh, we run this this organization to have a guy that, you know, if you, you watch the way he played, he's jumping in front of shots face first and things like that <laughs> yeah. and play the, the man down. And so, he you know, when he asks a lot of a lot of guys, but that's because he's, uh, you know, been through it and he knows what it takes to win. And yeah. he's had a ton of success. Right. So he comes from that that kind of winning culture. So it's really easy to, to jump on board with a guy like that and, uh, you know, put your faith in him and and, and do what he says. So it's, it's been a, it's been a great experience, been kind of short so far with with everything going on. But, yeah. um, you know, he's done a great job of, you know, building this team out uh, as a GM to, to try to help us get a shot every year short term, but also look to, to make this team you know, some, an organization that's going to have a lot of success down the road when, when guys start retiring or if there's injuries and things like that. So it's not just, uh, you know, put all your eggs in one basket for a season. It's, um, you know, he's, like you said, he's, he's very tactical and strategic with what he does. And so it's, it's pretty cool to, to work with a guy like that. We talk about relationships and being able to have those strong bonds. Cam, when, when we were with the mammoth, they had, you know, um, coil Stroopy and Gilly, and they were just, uh, you could put those three guys in any situation and they would have just an, a hilarious time yeah. and they would be busting balls on each other. Like they had a really cool dynamic. The relationship that Pat, Bill and, and Josh have is something very special too. And how do they bring that relationship uh, when dealing with you guys as a team? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a great dynamic in our locker room. Like they all, there's definitely a balance kind of like you said in Colorado, like there, there's a balance there. Um, so you have shooter who's like the most intense. I'll let Wes speak a little bit more on shooter, but he's like so intense and he kind of gets, he gets that fire and that little anger. And then there's Patrick, um, obviously like level headed demands a lot from you. And then Billy and Billy obviously demands a lot from you, but he kind of has a different approach of connecting to his players or at least the D guys than uh, shooter does. So there's definitely like a really good balance between all of our coaches. Obviously, like I said earlier, the level of respect for all three of them is incredible. They have different ways of communicating, um, which I think like once you step back and we, we look back on, you know, previous games or situations, like you kind of laugh about how uh, they all interact with you differently. So it is kind of fun. 
Wes, what's Shooter like as a coach? Uh, Shooter's awesome. You know, he's he's great. He's um, he's very intense, which is awesome. Like he expects a lot out of guys, but he's another guy that you know I grew up getting to watch him play, and yeah. that's kind of who you know when I was little playing up with a couple of the older guys. That's who I try to model my game after because I was so small. And you you look at him; he's first in the corner. He's he's taking hits you know, half the size of guys, and he kind of played a lot with his his head. He just outsmarted guys. He wasn't even really the the fastest player out there, so. You learn a lot from a guy like that again, who's got the the resume and the, the pedigree of playing. That's just unbelievable. So you listen to to what he says, and you know when you're winning, he's he's a lot more fun for sure. But he's <laughs> he's a coach that uh, he's awesome because he he really lets the players actually you know play and not try to script everything. And yeah. um, you know if you're doing your job right, he's he's not going to say a whole lot to you. And you, when you don't, he he lets you know right away. And so you know where you stand with him and, and what's going on, yeah. but. Uh, Again, it's nice because he's he's a player who's been there, and he probably didn't want to coach scripting everything uh, X's and O's from every play. So it's fun; you get a lot of freedom, and uh, you know if your if your uh, unit's playing well out there and the O's roll, and he he kind of rolls the balls out and let the boys play. If we're uh, we're playing, <laughs> you know, not so good or or having a couple tough games, he'll he'll reel it in and, and start structuring it a bit. So it's he's been a ton of fun to play with, and I think. Uh, you know, that dynamic of the coaching staff's great. Uh, Billy's kind of got that positive energy and the smile yeah. going all the time. And uh, he's a little more, you know, pick you up sort of thing. And uh, and, and Patty and, and Shooter make sure, you know, uh, when you're not playing well, right, they let you know, which is which is good. It's it's a way to do it, right? You're, yeah. You kind of know where you're standing all the time and, and, and how the team's doing. And you've got that positive side from Billy. So it's it's a great dynamic. We, we enjoy playing for them a lot. It's kind of a cool situation in San Diego where you have two brothers within the organization as coaches and players. You, you got Patrick and Brody and you got Bill and Zach. Is there any brotherly squabbles between those guys during practices or games or on the road? I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, at least with Zach and Billy, they're on opposite ends of the bench. So thankfully, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no real issues there. And then Brody and Patrick, I don't, not really. Um, I, I mean, not that I've ever seen. I think there's a great relationship there. Obviously, like I said earlier, there's a level of trust and um, yeah. How about that uh, buzzer beater in Vegas from Brody? That was the craziest goal ever. <laughs> right? Those are ones, those are ones like that. You always think about like, Oh, it'd be so cool if we could just block the shot and then rifle it down and it goes in. And sure enough, that's what happened in Vegas. Uh, it was just, that was really, really fun. You guys were sort of models for the National Lacrosse League during that week, doing some interviews with Devin Caney, riding around the top of the buses. Do you kind of <laughs> feel like superstars in Vegas when that happens, Wes? Until we went uh, back to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, you know, it's a lot of fun to be able to do that kind of stuff, and it's great for the, the growth of the sport. But we were at a time where we really needed a win, so it wasn't a whole lot of uh, – you know, enjoy being in Vegas. Uh, I think at all, it was kind of, we we're trying to bring some fans in and make sure um, we were, you know, we had a big crowd to play in front of and, and all that. So it was, it was a lot of work and I think kind of a bit of a nervous time because of our record and the way things were going and it worked out great. You know, we, we played an awesome game. We got some guys back from injury, so it was, it was good, but I don't think it was uh, the Vegas that you'd think you'd enjoy at the time. <laughs> yeah, we also learned that there is a lot of smoking inside hotels in Vegas. Yes, so there is. we were outside just loving life. Then we come home and it's like, damn, there's that smell of smoke again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That was yeah. wild. But that was a really fun week. 
they pump the oxygen. They don't have any clocks anywhere, and they let yep. people smoke wherever they want. It is a different life down in Vegas. But yeah, speaking of that Vegas game, that was sort of a, a good spark for you guys. Like like you said, Wes, you guys kind of refound your momentum, and a lot of that had to do um, with the return of Audie Stotts. What did he mean to your offense, Wes, to get just not his talent, but just his youthful energy and his zest for playing the game back? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know many guys that that love playing more than than him, right? His his passion for it's unbelievable. You can you can talk all day about the skill level and, and things that he does that uh, that are just uncanny. I don't even he, know if he knows what he's doing sometimes out there, where you just kind of shake your head that yeah. you know he he can split a, a triple team and throw a no look pass to somebody in, in an empty net, or he's just you know it's sensational the way he plays, but. He's a ton of fun to have in the dressing room and before the game. Like, like I said, there's not a lot of guys that when they kind of, you know, strap the, the shoes on and, and get out there playing that, that uh, enjoy the game the way he does. So brings a ton of energy. And I think that kind of uh, level of energy is contagious, right? It kind of runs through the, the team where you see him, he's a, he's a big hoop and, and holler kind of guy where that just kind of brings everybody up to that yeah. level. So he's, he's a ton of fun. And, uh, a huge part of, of getting him back just like I said from the you know the energy side of it and then obviously what he does on the floor and the production level is unbelievable yeah you guys you guys won five of six to, to end the year before the COVID stoppage and that game in Rochester was a, a huge moment for for you guys not only was, was I there and having a blast with Doug Locker up in the booth and it was Star Wars night so it was just all crazy kind of nerdy but you guys threw up 19. It was one of your best offensive performance of the year. Your defense was playing great. Then it all comes to a halt. How disappointing was it to know that you guys were playing the best lacrosse you had and then to have it see it come to a stop, Cam? Yeah, yeah that was... I mean, really tough considering uh, you want to get hot at the right time, right? So it's not usually how you start in the NLL. You'll see a team like sometimes around 500 that, uh, that gets hot. And I think we were kind of hitting our stride there and getting all the guys back and, you know, a lot of new faces still on the team that uh, we're kind of getting our, our offense going and defense was, was playing unbelievable and, and goaltending. So it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty disappointing you know, to go back to Vancouver a team that was, uh, I think at the time a little more right for the taking and have the season you know, shut down right when we were uh, starting to really enjoy playing. You know, it's always more fun when you're winning. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was a tough goal, but, uh, you know, you can't really dwell on that. And, and now we've got a date to, to play in December. So we'll uh, we'll be, you know, looking to pick things up where we, where we left them. December 3rd, Cam, when you heard the news, uh, what was your initial thoughts? Uh, I just can't wait to get back and play. I can't wait to have people in our building. This conversation right now is making me so excited to just get back out and, and play and do what we love to do. And, you know, guys like Mike to put on a great show for our fans and, you know, our ticket sales, just to get everybody back and get that sense of normalcy back, get our guys the sense of camaraderie when guys get off a plane and you show up at practice and you see all the boys for the first time after a week of being apart. Like, just get all that, those feelings back um, and then get back playing. Is something I cannot wait for. I know that we're going to have, uh, you know, the community behind us, and we're going to have great support for every game that we have at home this year. So we got to make sure we come ready to play and give them a show. But I am so excited to get back on the floor. Uh, Steve Govett kind of stresses the fact that this is sort of a chance to make it Seals 2.0 and kind of start from the beginning again. From someone who works sort of within the office, how is that being implemented? 
So I will start by saying that this organization has been challenged with adversity time and time again, and we have just rebounded and rebounded and rebounded. There's been a number of things that have kind of come up and, and brought us down and given us the opportunity to, to mail it in. But this whole organization, our players, our staff, our front office, uh, we regroup and we're ready to get back to work. And I know, you know, even through all of COVID, every member of our front office staff, you know, was operating as if we were playing the next week. You know, they were still making calls. People, our season ticket member department, like in ticketing department, they're just calling people to say, hi, how are you doing during COVID? Like, it's been amazing how our organization has handled this whole situation. And now we're really starting to implement a, uh, a strategy and a structure on how we want to see next season work, how we want to get people in the building, what's the look and feel going to be, all these things that we have done in the past with three months before a season, we're doing with eight months before a season. So we're going to be overly prepared and ready come December 3rd. Guys, this has been a, an absolutely fantastic chat. I know it's a little different being, you know, all over the place, but uh, December 3rd can't come soon enough. I appreciate you guys. Keep having fun. Um, stay safe while you're doing it. And uh, good luck with the Junior Seals this afternoon. Uh, you know, you guys got some practice that you guys got to do with those young stars of the future. I appreciate your time, and we'll talk soon, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Teddy. Thanks, Teddy.